You're listening to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm Tim Dive, your host. Welcome and thank you for joining me once again. On my own today, no one to interview, but uh, I'll make this as valuable as I possibly can. And I want to talk about a few companies I've been working with in the last couple of weeks, developing uh, strategies and plans to incentivize performance and, and, and in effect retain people due to those incentives. And why has this conversation been um, brought about recently? And why is it important to consider this? Well, for some of my clients, the Fair Work Commission decisions of, of large wage increases and, and, and minimum award wage increases as broad to the forefront, um, a very costly exercise or an annual activity of reviewing people's remuneration where people are expecting to get an annual increase. And, um, you know, in some cases, they've, they've looked at the 5.75% award wage increase and use that as a benchmark to drive an annual uh, remuneration review plan and in some cases they've even gone higher than that and rounded up. Now, what does that mean? That means that you have got an insane um, cost increase, a fixed cost increase that doesn't uh, deliver any better performance or return on your investment than what you currently do already. It doesn't do that. You're not buying anything. You're not you're not buying any better systems or procedures or people. You're just paying more for what you've already got, um, and that brings a lot of questions to uh, the minds of business owners and you know, CEOs and 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 uh, general managers and all those types of senior leadership people. Right? It's not good business to increase your your fixed cost of running that business. So. These conversations have been bouncing around um, between myself and my clients and we've been looking at other ways that we can get a bit better, a bit smarter about how we can um, incentivize people rather than just jack up their wages for no real reason. Um, and I'll, I'll just make this point too. Most businesses, most employers in Australia don't pay award wages. So when the commission jacks up the, the award wage minimums, and it's all publicised, it's all through the media, and people think, oh, awesome, we're going to get 5.75% pay increase or a 6% pay increase. That's not the case. You don't have to do that, right? So if your wages are paid high enough that they can absorb such increases, then you don't need to pay more money. But the expectation still lives there, it thrives in the minds of most employees when you've got the media just hammering uh, people about this cost of living um, increases and then the commission says, well, we're going to, due to that, to counter that, we're jacking up the minimum wages payable and then everyone uh, kind, of, kind of expects that to be passed on to them. That's not how it works. But in any case, we should be talking about this because there are better ways to handle um, paying people more money and incentives are the best way to do that in my view. Now, here's the other question. How do you do that when you're a small employer let's say less than 15 or 20 people um, and you're growing and you're going, you're becoming a, an employer of 20, 30, 40, 50 people or, and even more um, because what will happen, what will tend to happen is that a single decision maker in a smaller team will, in, will make agreements to incentivize and attract a particular person um, and then the next time they do that, it's a different incentive. It's a different reward. It's a different pay level. And then what you end up having is this blend or this mix of varied incentive plans and, and reward models and, and varying 
uh, remuneration levels and that sort of stuff, which is fine when you're a small player, right? When you've got sort of five, 10, maybe 15 people, that's fine. No worries at all. Not that hard to administer, not that hard to manage, not that hard to keep across it. But if you want to grow and if you have grown, you've gone beyond those numbers, this becomes a nightmare to administer. Uh, it, it becomes a nightmare to try and make it sound equitable to people in your organization. And that will drive people out of your business. It will destroy their trust in you as their leader. And that's the opposite that we want of an incentive model. We want an incentive model to retain people, to attract good people, to fairly and equitably reward them and retain them, keep them here, right? So this is the dilemma of the small business that's growing. And um, you know, we see this a lot. So let's talk about it. There's a... I, I, I'd like to talk about, especially with smaller businesses who are growing and, um, you know, you, you don't want to talk about thick theory of HR people and, and, you know, reward systems and all that sort of stuff. It's all, a lot of it's bullshit, to be honest with you, anyway. Um, the HR profession, um, you know, and I am in it, the HR profession is a bit of a joke and it's not always fit for purpose. And you'll, you'll know that if you're a small employer and you are deciding to hire a HR person internally, and you go to market and you hire a person with HR background experience and have them come into your business, you watch how much disruption that person creates um, if they're not commercially connected to your business, right? And that's rare to find. You've got really senior HR people, you, you'll, you'll have that commercial nounce in those people. They'll get it. They've been there long enough. They've lived through enough change and, 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 uh, and management experience to understand the impact they make and to dial it back or rev it up at the right times. Hiring those people, though, will cost you a fortune. And smaller businesses just don't have the, the, uh, the, the bank balances to handle that sort of, um, of, of wage. So um, I like to talk in concepts. And there's a few concepts that uh, make uh, a, a lot of sense because you can take these concepts, these HR fundamental concepts, and you can just get your head around them and understand them. And then you can apply whatever model your business needs in accordance with these concepts. Okay, One of these concepts is, is the creation of organization levels in your business. And this is a, a, a very handy and helpful thing to start thinking about if you're going to grow your organization, add more bodies, expand the, the organization chart, uh, and think about how you pay and reward people. Okay, Now, org levels, organization levels. Let's talk about um, – let's, let's start with structure, for example. Similar to the, the example I gave before, a smaller business will bring in um, uh, employees as they need to, and if they're growing, they'll rapidly do that, right? They'll, they'll, they'll bring in extra bodies um, within quick succession of each other. And what they'll tend to do is um, call everyone a manager. You're a manager of this. You're a manager of that, right? Um, and before you know it, you've got a team of 15 to 20 people. Everyone's a manager. There's nowhere, there's, there's nowhere for them to go in the, in the business. And you actually need better people now to get to 20 to 30 or 20 to 50 employees. You now need to hire better people than the ones you already hired who are called your managers, right? What do you call them? You know, directors? So this is a dilemma, right? So the sooner you start thinking of organization levels, if you intend to grow your business, the better it is for you. 
organization levels, uh, um, essentially, if you have an organization chart, this is the best way to explain it. If you've got an organization chart, it's a box and wire diagram. Um, you can, you know, let's say you've got three or four different organization levels. You can layer these levels over your chart and you can see how they all, all the positions that fit within an organization level. Um, so, for example, you, all your administrative roles, your coordinators, uh, and maybe even your specialist administrative positions as well, that's an org level. That level captures maybe four to five different employee types, position types. But that's let's say for argument's sake, we'll call it org level one, right? That's org level one. Org level two, you've got maybe team leaders. You've got, um, you know, maybe there's uh, principal operators. So you've got um, not quite a team manager, but someone who's quite advanced in their skill set and they work on their own but they influence other teams and that sort of thing, like a principal role, okay? Um, and then you might have managers of personnel in there as well, or maybe that would be the next one up. But that's an org level two. So that captures a bunch of other positions and, and that sort of thing. An org level three, for argument's sake, uh, are managers and, and, and senior managers, for example. Um, now, these three organization levels, let's, let's just use these as an example in theory. Each of these organization levels needs to have the ability to make certain decisions and be restricted on what decisions they make. They may have um, budget authorities. They may have um, team leadership skills that they must have and, 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 and must develop and must focus on, and others won't, right? So the, the, um, the theory or the, the concept of org levels now applies to a whole range of things. Org level one is required to have the ability to um, to think through all these types of scenarios they're going to be faced with in, in their day-by-day -day role. As such, an org level one position, you'll, you'll take the, the vacancy to, to the market and you'll um, interview and assess for specific skills that are that are pretty much um, the, the same for all level, all people in that organization level. But also when you're designing the, the position, you're designing the organization, you're designing the positions, the org levels, you're deciding what training packages they must have. So what skill sets they're going to uh, have to develop, what they have to be good at, what they have to understand in order to make decisions within their capacity in your business for that to be successful and indeed improve and prosper, right? So those, so the concept of org levels now sets um, how much a pay scale is for a position in your organization, what training requirements they must have, what skill sets they must have, and so on and so on. So now we can go and apply this, uh, this concept of org levels to the incentive structures as well, right? So going back to the example of the small business, the, the small business that was hiring people willy-nilly as they needed and making one-off, off-the-cuff deals to, to attract the right person and get them to sign the contract and so, well, I'll give you a 10% bonus. I'll give you a 40 grand bonus. I'll give you commission. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. You've got all these different scattered uh, incentive plans now. So let's apply the org level concept to incentives. And this simplifies everything. When, you, when you're coming out of that administrative burdensome nightmare of having all these different um, or, uh, you know, incentive plans and bonuses and commission structures and that sort of stuff to try and maintain, remember, and manage uh, and measure. 
um, you, you, we now simplify uh, all that to three org levels. You've got three different types. One might be a 10% bonus of, of salary. One might be a 15. The next one will be a 25, for example. Okay, But the org levels, they have to focus on different things. Everybody in an org level three, those senior people, you know, they're, they're going to have maybe three components that they have to achieve. And one's going to be um, obviously the, the personal performance as a leader. So did your functioning, did your, did your team or did your department, uh, did it achieve all these, all these things? And that's directly your performance, right, as a leader of that function. The next one's going to be, uh, it, it might be a safety target or it might be a continuous improvement target or whatever it might be in your, in your sector that makes the most sense. And the third one might be um, just a 10% weighting for the incentive on the, the overall commercial performance of the business, however you manage that. Um, okay, so, the, so the, and you would apply that weighting system to the different org levels in different ways. So that's the way that you would simplify and use the org level concept to try and, um, to try and develop organization capability um, and to also develop remuneration levels and pay scales, but also bonuses, incentives, and rewards. Now, um, I'm, I'm brushing over this, and, and that's intentional because you don't want to get too detailed when we're just talking about this conceptually uh, because every business is different. Every business has different motivations and different people and different skill sets and that sort of thing, but this concept can be applied now, I did mention before retention, using incentives and, um, and remuneration models and that sort of thing to drive retention. So let's talk about that now, which is kind of the final piece of using an incentive for that, for that purpose, for that retention purpose. There are many ways you can do this, but when, when businesses um, assess, let's say you've got a financial year of performance. At the end of the financial year, you, you assess um, how well you went and, and all sort of stuff. That's a, that's a standard natural business process that you go through. Um, now, if you've got an incentive plan and a model and, and it's all set up and structured, uh, how do you do that? So you, you stop at the end of July, you spend a month or a month and a half assessing all the elements, all the factors, getting all the data together and, and getting the true measure on how your business actually performed. So mid, let's say mid um, uh End of August, mid-September, you, you're at that point. You know, you know all the data, you know the details, you know exactly how you went, how you performed. You can then make an announcement to your business, to your to your business, to your employees, that yes, this year we performed well. Um, we uh, achieved the goals we needed to achieve to enact this incentive payment, this incentive model. So congratulations, you're all getting the bonus. Or maybe it's uh, look, we we got. 75% of the way there on the most critical components. As such, yes, we're going to enact the, the incentive payments, but we're going to take it back a little bit because we didn't actually perform the way we needed to to be able to properly reward everybody. And the other outcome is, no, we didn't achieve what we needed to achieve. For whatever reasons, there's no bonus being paid this year. Okay, that's that's a standard thing that happens. Now, how do you drive retention? So... Let's say in the first example, you've got the bonus, everyone's happy, um, you've hit the end of the financial year, you spent four weeks assessing and you made, you made a decision and announcement that the incentive is being paid. Cool, when do you pay that? I've been employed in businesses that take you know, four to six months uh, to pay out the bonus, the incentive from that last financial year. And what does that do? 
Okay, what what that does is the 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 monthly performance management goal setting or quarterly, however your business does it, is enough to drive people towards the goal in the financial year. At the end of the financial year, the pressure's off and your people are waiting to hear how you performed. Are we going to get the bonus? Yes, we are. Awesome. I'm happy. I'm staying here right now. I'm getting that bonus. You, so, so they're going to stay another three, four, five months to get that bonus. They're not going to leave because if they leave, they don't get the bonus, right? That's that's the rule that you've got to have set up. So by the time that bonus is actually paid, here's your payment. It's end of the year or start of the year where the money is low for most people. Bang, they're happy again. And they're already halfway through the next financial year to see how, how well the business performs and if they're going to get a bonus again. So you've only got you know six, seven months to wait now to see what your next bonus is going to be. And that... That cycle um, does wonders for retention, right? People um, you know, might say that they want um, flexibility and they want this and they want that and they want you know all these other uh, alternative things that they um, say in surveys that they want from from their employment. However, you're dropping ten thousand dollars in front of someone's face in, in a job they already enjoy doing, um, and you're dangling that carrot. And it's a real incentive. They can get it. It's real money, and they do get it. And they're waiting for it to be paid. Um, you know, money does talk. Money drives retention. Um, so, anyway, that, that that that's how you might use an incentive model to drive retention as well. Um, the other thing is, high performance people are high potential people, right? High potential people. Um, there. Also, there are ways that you can retain high potential people. I think in an organization, let's say you've got an organization of, of 100 staff, right? you, you've even, even let's say 50, anywhere between 50 and 100, you've got to start thinking about succession planning. Um, you know, succession planning means that you've got uh, a strong, solid vision of the future. You know what skill sets you need to develop within your team to leverage the potential of your future plans and your strategies and that sort of thing. And that you've got a reasonable management and leadership structure in place to be able to sustainably go after those goals. Um, now, what happens when key people are exiting from that business? Because everybody's exiting, right? Make no mistake, everybody is leaving at some point, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's 20 years from now, everyone's leaving. Okay, that's another concept you want to get your head around. Uh, you know, a, a lot of business owners get all upset and butthurt when people leave, but you know, everyone's leaving. You don't get used to it. Um, so you, you've got to start getting succession when you're and you're, when you're hitting a point where you're you're really your business is hitting the strides. You do it. You do things the way that you do things. There's specialisations within those four walls of yours, um, and you've got big plans. You've got to start to look at who's high potential in your business for the future leadership roles to take it forward. Um, they're the be- that's the best garden to go and pick from if you want future leaders, right? There's a retention incentive model. And you might – so let's say, for example, you might take a high potential employee who's not uh, it's a round figure, they're earning $100,000. And you say to them, I'm going to give you a 10% bonus year on year and enter you into, into this high-po, high-potential performance um, plan for the next five years. Um, I can I can see that you are a future leader. I don't know. We're not saying you're going to be the CEO, but uh, you know you, you are a future leader of the organisation. And what we have is a three to five year plan where we're going to 
put you into certain positions and have you work on certain projects that improve the business, that drive towards goals, that give you commercial understanding, that give you a very important experience and knowledge of the business from the most experienced leaders that we already have and you're going to develop all this skill set over the next three to five years. As long as you're in this plan and you, stay and you stick with us, we're, we're making you a leader and we're also going to financially reward you for sticking with us through that plan. Now, let's say every year, year on year for five years, that's worth $50,000, right? 10, 10% of 100K, 10, 10 grand a year, that's 50 grand. That's a big carrot to stick around for. And how do you make them stick around? Well, you don't pay that 10 grand every year, right? You just pay a 50% portion. Let's say, for example, you pay 50%. So that means that after year one um, of this person being in this high potential program, uh, they've qualified, they've, they've, they've done what they need to do, they're qualified for the bonus, only 50% of it's payable. So they get, they get five grand off the, off the bat right away. The other five grand goes into the next, the next year's kitty. So the next year, they've now got a $15,000 bonus payable. They're only going to get 50%, right? So they're going to get seven and a half grand of that. And seven and a half grand goes into the next year's kitty. And as you go on and you go on, in uh, yeah, the, the the final year that ends up being a big basket of cash for this person to get, and that drives more incentives to stay on board and stay in that leadership development program longer. Um, and within three to five years, you should have developed this person strong, uh, you know, well enough that this person is a, a, a very high performance uh, leader and who's ready to take on a high performance leadership role in your business. Um, so that's another way you can incentivize high potential employees um, uh, and and use it to drive retention of those specific skill sets. How many of them people are you going to have in, in your business though? Team of 100 or you know 50 to 100, you might only have one or two of them. There's not many of these people, right? Lucky you if you've got four or five, but I'd say, well, geez, how, uh, how low is your bar? Um, I'll be asking you for that for that response if you had too many. Um, you know, how low is your bar and, and what does your future really look like? What's your future leadership team really look like? Let's get clear on that. Um, and while we're on this point, I, had, I, I made this comment to one of my clients earlier in this week. You know, we were talking about leading uh, a changed and a new structure, which was geared for growth, more bodies coming in, new ways of working, new streams of activity and areas of specialization that require some leadership um, and, and, and especially leadership of, of employees in those teams. And we're talking about high performance. And what is high performance? Um, when you ask the question of people, you tell me, what, what's high performance mean to you? Um, quite often they're going to say, well, high performance is smashing goals, breaking records, um, you know, red line, redlining and really going as hard as you can, that's high performance. And it's not. That's not what high performance is, okay? That's, um, those, those are outcomes of, um, you know, consistency and, and, and that sort of stuff. High performance is nothing more than identifying the things you need to do and actually doing them, right? Doesn't mean successfully doing them. Doesn't mean that you hit every single goal you set it just means that okay we understand where we're going 
To get to where we're going, we have to be good at A, B, C, D and E things. To be good at A, B, C, D and E things, we have to do all these tasks on time, do them well, complete them and, uh, and, and, and don't have them all building up, for example, right? High performance is that. It's just doing that. When I walk into businesses um, with clients that I'm working with um, and, and we, talk, we talk about, you know, what's being achieved, what's, what, the, what the capacities, what the capabilities of the leaders and the people and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, more often than not, my honest assessment is that all the skills you need are there. The people that you need to achieve the things that you've got to get done are already there. Um, when leaders get down into the weeds and into the detail, and into the emotional chaos of the workplace, when leaders are, de- are diving down in there, they're not working at their level, right? They're not working at their level. All they're doing is uh, facilitating more chaos. They're accepting the chaotic emotional environment of the workplace. They're participating in it. And they're not able to self-assess and pull themselves above it all and be a conductor of, of, of all the things going on around them. That's where you need to be if you want to achieve high performance. You're, nev- you're not going to achieve high performance if you're down in the weeds, down in the detail, um, and, and participating in the chaos with your team, okay? Um, and again, high performance isn't redlining those people, riding those people, pushing those people, burning them out. That's not high performance. High performance is just clearly articulating what has to get done, putting things in place to ensure they get done, following the plan and getting it done, just getting things done. That is high performance. Nine times out of 10, people aren't doing that. It's not hard to be a high-performance leader or be a high-performance operator. It's really not difficult. Um, But what does it produce? If you do that consistently and you don't destabilize your team, you don't continually change their scope, change their task, change the structure, add a body, do this, do that. If you don't participate in that chaos, you allow your people to get good at something. You give them time they need to learn how to do new things. You give them time in the seat and the freedom and the space to get good at new things. Then you have record-breaking months. Then you have record-breaking quarters. Uh, and why? It's not because you're redlining. It's because you gave them a chance to get good at something and they understood exactly what good meant in your business. That's high performance. That allows you to create um, incentive plans and pay people and retain people and challenge people and keep them there, keep them happy. All these things all fit together, right? Um, and these concepts, today we spoke about the org level concepts, okay? that you, you apply that concept to a range of things in your business, all of a sudden you've got a lot of clarity. You can, you can zoom out, you can, you can, you know, it's almost like you're playing, playing, you know, checkers, not chess, because chess is too hard, but checkers is easy, right? You zoom out, you're playing an easy game of checkers and you're moving the, you're moving the pieces of the puzzle around and you're seeing things far clearer because you're using the right um, mentality and concepts. You're applying concepts to your business. So let's, I think, you know, let's, let's wrap that up, I, I think. It's just a, a short one today um, and I really wanted to, to talk about that because um, smaller businesses that go into larger businesses, or even smaller teams within larger businesses that grow into larger teams often get down in the detail, um, in the weeds, participating in that chaos 
and facilitating the chaos rather than enabling the high performance that allows you to create good, solid retention plans, incentive plans, remuneration and reward models and all that sort of stuff. Think about that. As always, you should jump on over to www.workplaceas.com. Check out some free tools we have there for performance management um, and some other episodes for this podcast, some good interviews, some handy stuff, some uh, some information on unions and 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 the regulators and all that sort of stuff that happens in, in, in my world. So go and check that out um, and also reach out. Let me know if you want to um, have a, a particular topic explored and expanded on. And another thing is uh, coming up, there's going to be, it's probably going to be a four-module course uh, on the, uh, the, the, the fundamentals and the concepts that apply to, uh, to businesses and especially businesses that are growing. Um, and what we're, what we're going to do is actually map out uh, and share the, the diagrams and the models and the way to think about things to make growing an organization really clear, simple and easy and no longer chaotic. So um, keep an eye out for that. That's going to be handy to know. Until next time, keep a tight workplace and we'll talk again soon.